G'day and welcome to the Sea Creatures Podcast, a show all about the amazing animals that live beneath the waves. Each episode we chat about a specific sea creature with a guest who has spent time and interacted with this ocean animal. Our guests range from marine biologists to divers to underwater photographers, citizen scientists and people that have an intense passion for marine life. My name is Matt Testoni and I'm all of the above. And joining me for this episode of the Sea Creatures Podcast is marine biologist and underwater photographer Lawrence Scheel and he's going to be talking all about the gloomy octopus. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Matt. No worries. So, gloomy octopus, first of all, tell us why you have such a passion for this animal. Because I asked you to come on the show and I was like wondering what you're going to pick. And you were like straight off, now gloomy. And I was like, oh, awesome. So, tell us where that interest came from. So, since as long as I can remember, I octopus toys and books growing up. And I grew up in Sydney. In New South Wales, so the most common octopus to find there is the gloomy octopus, and it's also called the common Sydney octopus. And this octopus fascinated me because it's probably the first species that I really got to know, like super well over like a few years, and I just had like such a fun time observing their behaviour and trying to find them and just seeing what they do. And yeah, it's just been an incredible journey. Ah, oh, cool. And so tell us, like, if anyone doesn't know, like, everyone kind of knows what an octopus is, but like a gloomy octopus or, as you mentioned, Sydney octopus, like, describe them for us. Like, if someone had never seen one before, run through a description. Oh, yeah. So they're quite like a medium to large size octopus. They have an arm length to at least 60 centimetres, so they can get quite big. And they're a molted brown sort of colour with rusty orange suckers. Most people will see them sitting outside dens and dens will be littered with like shells or crab pieces and you just see like the whites of their eyes looking at you and that's where they get the name gloomy octopus because they look sort of gloomy but they're far from it. They're such like inquisitive animals and they all have like different characters and they're quite feisty for an octopus and very bold and confident too yeah what do you mean by feisty tell us a bit like what's a feisty octopus some of the octopus are a bit more wary of humans but because the gloomy octopus is sort of described as a muscular octopus he's quite like thick and he's not afraid to like interact with humans or i've had them like try and take my gopro like crawl at my arm they're just very willing to interact if you get them in like the right settings cool wow stealing your gopro so what like you were just kind of filming and then just put its tentacles its arms out sorry not tentacles arms out and grabbed your camera yeah like i just like i had two cameras i tried to set up like a time lapse on the gopro and i put it there and they didn't notice there was a den right next to it and this octopus just happened to come out and then shoot out his arm and grab the gopro and i was like oh okay like this guy's being funny so i tried to pull it back and then he like puts more arms on it and they're so strong they remind me of snakes because they're just pure muscle and pure protein and you're like okay wait he's actually gonna take this gopro and i'm never gonna see it again <laughs> so it was just the funniest experience and yeah they're just so strong and like he just wanted to play with the gopro because it was shiny he's like what is this it's so smooth it's just super inquisitive and that was a good time 
Yeah, wow. I, I think that's one thing about giant, like bigger octopus is that they are super, super inquisitive. I know I've even had one push my finger away. I was holding my, you know, holding my balance with a finger on a brick and it just kind of like grabbed my finger and pushed it and like, you know, kind of like get out of my house. Like, like whoa. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and so you mentioned the eyes. So whenever I think of like a gloomy or a Sydney octopus and I want to ID them, it's definitely all in the eyes. Explain to us what octopus eyes look like. So octopus eyes sort of have a horizontal shape to them. So unlike squid who have the circular eye like us, octopus have a horizontal bar. The eye itself, like the pupil, can actually change colours around it. So usually when they're looking at you, it's the black eye with the white background but they can change the white to either yellow or red and depending on their mood and what they're doing. So it's a good thing to look out for when you see an octopus, look at the color of its iris and you can see like what's it doing and how's it feeling sort of thing. Wow. And do they, cause octopus can change colors themselves, but do they change the eye separately or are they changing their whole body when they do this? Oh, it could be either or. So Usually with the gloomy, when they're looking at you and they're quite cautious, they'll turn like their eye to white. And when they're pissed off, it will go a really dark red. So you can definitely see the difference and it reflects on their body as well. Oh, cool. And so you mentioned as well that when you find them with your Go- you found them with your GoPro, they were in a den. What's an octopus den and when are they there? And how do you find one? Oh, yeah, so because octopus don't have any bones, they don't have a shell, they don't have any protection. So what they do is they occupy semi-permanent dens, and a den is a lair or house that they've excavated and decorated with shells. So that's where you'll often find them, and they'll also keep shells or rocks on their suckers. So if they want to barricade their den, there's one opening they can just pull up their arms and there's rocks and shells so you can't see them or sharks can't get them. Wow. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. And previously they thought, like scientists thought, the gloomy octopus was a solitary animal. But there's this really cool site in Jervis Bay which they named Octopolis and they actually found like a multitude of individual gloomy octopus occupying the same vicinity and it was something that's never been documented before but there were just dens like so many dens in close proximity and scientists just filmed okay like how do these octopus interact what are they doing this is so weird they've built their own city essentially wow and like what kind of behaviors were they like were they doing i know they weren't like all super friendly were they no so with the males there's a lot of like the dominance so they would attack each other in fights and brawls where they're trying to strangle each other but then they also documented some males would use shells as knives like they have a sharp bit of the shell and actually use it to cut other octopus whoa and like so they captured this on video yeah, it was super intense. Like, <laughs> and then with wow. the um, other octopus individuals, the male, when it's mating season, the male will make a den right next to a female. And they do this because when octopus mate, the male transfers spermatophores to the female via the hectocotylus arm, which is a specified arm, which is usually in most species third arm to the right. 
and he stays in his den and he reaches the hectocotylus arm to the female and delivers the spermatophores. So then they can mate under the protection of the rocky reef and the dens and shells and whatnot. So yeah, it's really interesting octopus community and ecology. I remember like speaking of the mating octopus, I came across two octopus similar to the gloomies mating with a friend. And she was like, after the dive, she was like, oh, wow, how cute. The octopus were holding hands like friends. And I was like, they weren't holding hands. There was something else going on there. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so speaking of the mating, so the male kind of transfers this like sack of sperm to the female from a different burrow, which is crazy. But then what goes on there? Because I know it's a bit weird. Yeah. So then female receives the sperm packages and then she will fertilize her eggs with them. So once she does that, she'll go into incubation and she'll look after the eggs for a few months. As like I'm sure some listeners have seen my octopus teacher, when the female octopus looks after her eggs, she doesn't eat for months and she starves herself while constantly caring for the eggs. So the gloomy octopus also do that. Yeah, and so I think, is it something like 10,000 eggs, I think, that she lays? Yeah, it's some ridiculous number, but only like a few will actually survive into adulthood. Yeah, which is so sad because she gives up her life for these eggs. She spends months like kind of aerating them with water to make sure they're all good. And then only a handful survive and she passes away. It's, it's a sad story, really. Yeah, it's a hard world out there for cephalopods because they grow fast and then die young. So the gloomy octopus only lives for around two years, which is relatively nothing. Imagine if they lived for 30 years, like how smart would they be in those 30 years? Yeah, it's, oh, it seems kind of cruel that an animal that's so intelligent like lives such a short life. Yeah. And so what do octopus, what do gloomy octopus eat usually? What's their kind of main food source? So gloomy octopus are reptorial predators so they're carnivores and they're scavengers so they'll honestly eat anything but they prefer um shellfish and crustaceans and fish but they'll also eat other octopus um squid cuttlefish whatever they can get their beaks on really they're not too fussy yeah i i have seen like a few gloomy octopus dens with like lots of crab pieces lying around but um, I've never seen one catch one, which would be cool. Have you, have you seen that kind of behavior? Yeah, I did. Like, it was in a rock pool. And I, like, saw the octopus in his den, so I went to take a photo. And I think I, like, must have accidentally scared the crab into the water. But then the octopus came up and just pounced on the crab. And they were having this full, like, Clash of the Titans battle. Like, the crab was trying to, like, stop the octopus's grip. But then the octopus, in the end, overcame the crab and just ate it on the spot. Wow. And so they like, they kind of eat with their beak. So they kind of like crack open the shell with their beak. But that's kind of like the only hard part of their whole body, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like they say, octopus can fit anywhere as long as it's smaller than the size of their beak. It's crazy. Imagine if you could fit through a hole and to do that, you had to squish your brain like that. <laughs> it's amazing. I know. <laughs> it's like next level alien stuff going on. Yeah. And so if someone is like kind of snorkeling or diving and they want to see a gloomy octopus, how would they go about it? What are some hints and tips and tricks? Yeah. So the best way to see them is go to like a rocky reef or sometimes like a sandy bed and look under the ledges 
for like certain shells or crustacean parts, really observe the seafloor and see if there's any shells that look like they're out of place or look like they're part of the collection. Because most likely an octopus put them there if it looks out of place. And then also to note, if you look at the orange, rusty orange color of the suckers, you should see an octopus because they usually sit on top of the dens and you see the really bright orange color. So that's a good way how to spot them. Cool. And so they're, they're from like, I guess you said a rock pool, like really shallow to quite deep, aren't they? Yeah. So they inhabit like the intertidal zone. I've even filmed them like walk on dry land. That was crazy. Whoa. You've got to tell us a little bit about that. Like what is it doing? It was like a really cloudy day and it was sort of raining from time to time. And I was just walking. I was on the phone and I see this like, it was quite big and this brown thing just walking in the rocks. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a small dog. And then I'm like, wait, and I look back and then there's this giant gloomy octopus who's just walking on like purely dry land in between rock pools. And I was like, wow, never seen anything like this. This octopus is giant. Rush over, like I didn't have any cameras or something. So I filmed the whole thing with my phone and this octopus was just, yeah, he was really comfortable with me. At first, he, I think he thought I was a seabird. But after like a minute, he came back out and would just walk in between pools, heading back towards the ocean because the tide was coming in. And it was incredible. Like, yeah, just to like for the octopus, because they're even more vulnerable on land. And like there's seabirds could easily get them. But so for this octopus to like feel comfortable with me and still continue walking on dry land, it was really special. And that, that's one thing that strikes me crazy about octopus is that they are so just willing to kind of try different things. And you go like, you you know, like I swim up and they put an arm out and they touch you and you go, what if I'm a seal or some kind of something that's going to eat you? Yeah, 100%. Like they can just be so confident and bold. And I think we can learn so much for them and how they like as the octopus seat to film went into like how they are resilient how they challenge adversity what they do to adapt like it's all things we can apply in our life as well they're just like a beacon of inspiration i guess it's one way to look at it yeah that's so cool like thinking of an octopus is like inspirational yeah 100 <laughs> percent. so what kind of so you've got like a walking octopus you've seen like walking along land you've seen one eating crabs what are some other like cool encounters or cool memories you have of gloomy octopus um uh, the one time that comes to mind is i was swimming on the harbor side of man i think it was fair light and it was like pretty swelly so i was getting like knocked around and i go to grab a rock just to like go under and then the next second I look and there's once again like a really big gloomy octopus that's just crawling up my arm and just sits on my shoulder and I'm like, hello, like what is happening? And I think he was, he must have seen like my camera or something, but he was just sitting there and I was like, okay, like don't want it to bite, like what do I do? So I go back to the top and he's still sitting there and then I'm like, okay, he needs to go back to the seabed because it's like not safe for octopus here. I was just trying to like, gently brushed him off and when I returned him to the seafloor he like took my glove I never saw that glove again but I'm like wow that was crazy <laughs> like, whoa did he just pull it off your hand yeah because like the suction as he was like crawling back down my arm he just must have 
belt and they're like, oh, what's this? And then just they're, they're that strong that it just came off, you know? Wow. I'm going to have to think twice about like, you know, putting my camera in a really close proximity to an octopus now. I can just see it disappearing down its den. Yeah, no, they're, they're very cheeky. <laughs> Uh, so have you got any cool facts about octopus or anything about the gloomy octopus that is like particularly striking apart from its octopolis kind of um little city that it's made oh yeah well what interests me is there's actually a very similar species in perth that at the moment it's called the they call it the common sydney octopus but it's actually a closely related if not subspecies to the gloomy octopus which is like, I find crazy because they're separated by kilometers of cold water and they exist on similar latitudes. The gloomy octopus on the east coast and then the gloomy octopus on the west coast. But there's some morphological difference as well. So, yeah, I think that's crazy. Wow. Like, what, So how would you ID one from the other if you, you know, had two specimens in front of you? Yeah, well, you can see, um, for starters, the one found on the west coast is actually a bit smaller than the gloomy octopus on the east coast and as well if you look closely like if you get two pictures of them the texture of the one on the west coast is actually quite different to the gloomy octopus in the east so there's like a few differences but we need like further research to actually distinguish them yeah i wonder if like if they're still like that closely related that they could breed and so forth because i mean you know it is cold along the um, south coast that separates them but you know different times in the last ten thousand years i'm sure they're intermixed yeah definitely they would have some common ancestor so yeah it's super interesting yeah, and I mean, who knows moving forward? Because I know I was reading like my kind of crazy fact is that since two thousand, there've been gloomy octopus have been found in Tasmania, which is like due to climate change, and it's yeah, it's quite scary. So for the um, rising sea temperatures, the distribution of the known distribution of the gloomy octopus has um, extended further south, all the way to Tasmania and the North Island of New Zealand. So that's like really. Yeah, that's like a huge thing because Tasmania and New Zealand both heavily rely on their rock lobster fisheries. And the gloomy octopus is like a voracious predator of rock lobsters. And in Tasmania, New Zealand, already the Maori octopus occupies there. So you've just thrown in this whole new competition and stress on the lobster species yeah wow because I, I know like the gloomy and the maori are very similar kind of size and like everything really apart from their eyes it's like so i wonder how they like kind of competing will go yeah yeah my bet's on the maori because they're the largest octopus in australia and new zealand and they definitely outgrow the gloomy so I would imagine the gloomy would be a snack for them <laughs> if they ever cross path. Yeah, well, hopefully, like, yeah, I mean, it would be kind of like a crazy thing to see a gloomy and a Maori, like, yeah, I mean, I've actually been lucky enough to, I found an injured Maori one day, and uh, we're like, it would kind of been drawn in by the tide, and we had to, we kind of picked it up and dragged it back out, and it was just amazing to see how huge it was out of the water. Craziest part was, though, like, I don't know if you've ever touched an octopus, like a live one, because you're obviously not meant to as a snorkel or a diver, but I, as I picked it up to move it, it felt so slimy. But as soon as I put it down in the water, 
my I couldn't feel my fingers were dry. It was the weirdest sensation I've ever had on my hands. Yeah, it's crazy. And like when the suckers stick onto you and then like pop off, that's also so weird. <laughs> yeah, and I think because what makes the suckers so strong? I think it's just like the physical characteristics of it because like pretty sure humans adapted like the suction cups in the shower from studying octopus so it's like with anything our nature always inspires like creation or invention yeah well thanks heaps for talking to us about the gloomy octopus today it's been awesome one of my favorite animals i reckon i have to um get up the coast to see them more i think but if anyone wants to see any of your work or get in contact or anything like that what should they do and where should they go oh they could check out snorkel down under on instagram or youtube or send me like an email but yeah i would be happy to chat with anyone about octopus or other sea life cool well thanks again for being on the show and i'll put the link to your instagram account which you said is just just snorkel down under or one word on instagram yeah yeah and i'll put that in the page notes and yeah thanks for being on man brilliant yeah thank you for having me Sea Creatures Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by myself, Matt Testoni. You can see my photography on Instagram at Matt underscore Testoni underscore photography on my website, www.mtunderwatermedia.com. Production assistance by George McGraw and music by the talented and amazing Dan Musel. If you like the show, please give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on or jump on our Patreon account, which is www.patreon.com slash sea creatures podcast and that's where you can give a little monthly donation to help with the running costs of the show otherwise we also have a buy me a coffee page for a one-off little five dollar donation if you just really like an episode or something coming up next time on the sea creatures podcast we're gonna be talking to jake wilton all about whale sharks jake's an awesome underwater photographer and land photographer and has spent a ton of time with him so until then this has been the sea creatures podcast Over and out.